Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach. And I am here with, uh, to my delight, with yet another high demand coach. And uh, that's a new friend of mine. Uh, a mutual acquaintance put us together. But uh, today I'm honored to have the presence of Mr. Mark A. Pittman himself. Mark uh, is the founder of the Concord Leadership Group. Uh, he helps leaders lead their teams with more effectiveness and less stress, whether it's through one on one coaching of executives, conducting high engagement training or growing leaders through his ICF accredited coach certification program. His clients grow in stability and effectiveness. I love that, uh, both end. He is the author of The Surprising Gift of Doubt, amazing title, by the way, uh, and that is the use, uh, use certainty to become an exceptional leader you are meant to be. He's also author of Ask Without Fear, which has been translated, amazingly, to Dutch, Polish, Spanish, and Mandarin. I'm assuming you did all the translation work. Is that right? Yeah, all of it. All by myself. <laughs> Duolingo. <laughs> Google Translate. Yeah, uh, right. So he's here with us today. You guys are in for an absolute treat. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here, Mark. Thanks for joining us. I'd love to start off and just hear a little bit about your story. How did you get into coaching and why? Well, you know, uh, you know how some people play doctor and lawyer or fireman when they're kids. I played coach. I just wanted to be a life coach. And no, I didn't. No, you knew that wasn't true. I was saying that to somebody just last week and they're like, you did? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not at all. Um, you know, my parents were into self-help and self-improvement. They found it when I was in my teenage years. And so they started assigning me homework. Um, I had to go to, I had school homework and then I also had Pittman family homework. So I had positive mental attitude books to read and motivational speakers to listen to. We had to read books and listen to tapes. It was tapes in the day. Um, and then they got into, they kind of got into the swing of coaching and um, I'm not sure who introduced them. Uh, to it. But I know when my wife and I were engaged, they got us Zig Ziglar success coaches. Okay. They said, you don't just need the premarital counseling. You need six months of Zig Ziglar success coaches wow. coaching. So each of us, we had six months one-on-one. My wife kind of learned a bit like, what's this weird Pittman vocabulary? And um, I got to think about my life as a senior in college beyond the wedding day, like decades. What is it that I really want to be about? What do I want to uh, just how do I want to direct my life and what do I want to be the corners, the cornerstones of it? Fell into work. I uh, started doing admissions at a college and then went into development, found out I love asking people for money. It is so much fun to do. Um, and in my professional work, it was the coaches, the people that def- life coaches for the most part at that point in the late nineties um, that helped me be a better me. Mm. 
um, the consultants seem to have, I've met other consultants since then, and I had good consultants at the time, but their models seemed to be about holding on to the information and protecting me from it so that they could renew the contract as opposed to helping me grow as an individual right. and make the connections on my own. So I found that as I grew in my own ability to be a better me, I was a much better fundraiser, much better manager, much better volunteer person, alumni director, dorm parent, uh, whatever the different roles I was having. So in 2003, I had the opportunity to go and uh, go to Franklin Covey, be certified as a coach uh, and hang out my shingle. And uh, it's been over 20 years now of, or about 20 years of doing that work and uh, various iterations, different, you know, looking different ways at different times, but it's been, I love I love, in fact, just starting, having just started uh, certifying coaches, it's the, it's a whole way of looking at life. Like people are actually brilliant and they know a lot more than what, what they think they do. And so we get to hold the space for people to have that safe space of not having to, we're not going to hire you. We're not going to fire you. We, um, we get to draw out the brilliance and there are times when you need a consultant, there are times when you need a trainer or a mentor, definitely times for therapy and counseling, all that those aren't coaching, but it's so cool to all my training and speaking around the world is done from a coaching mindset of my audience is totally brilliant and yeah. they just need to connect some of the dots and, and, or maybe look at something in a slightly different way or have a powerful question. It's, it's such a brilliant worldview because I think a lot of times when people will kind of, and and even saying it this way speaks to the mindset, they finally admit they need a coach. You know, like they, they, it's like, <laughs> I've done everything else. I, I, you know, I might as well right. try this coaching thing, right? Like, it's like, the, you know, we've, we've tried, you know, plans A through Z, 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 A, C. I've been a total failure. Maybe I'll try a coach now. But the reality of it is you don't have to wait to be a failure to be a coach, right? You don't have to go out and to find some coach, coach yeah. who's going to be this whiz bang, like we're going to give you all this kind of a thing. Uh, I, I love the way that you said it and I'd butcher it to try and repeat it, but the brilliance inside, right? If you're brilliant, you need a coach, right? It's not that if you failed, you need a coach. It's not remedial. And sometimes that's the case, but yeah. Go. And I have been hired that way. So one of my, one of my remedial people, the HR hired, you know, when HR calls you, it's not going to be like the high achiever looking to be better. Um, but that person is still at that place. That was over a decade ago and is now running the entire uh, department. It's uh, uh, the large sector, uh, large department in that organization. And to your point, I think a lot of us think that um, coaching is that remedial thing. It's that last ditch effort, but if we just shift the focus and at the time of this recording, Serena Williams just had her last uh, time at the open for now. Um, and it's, there are athletes like of her caliber that have coaches for different aspects of their play, not just yeah. overall. So um, we know in the athletic world that there are specialized coaches for the super achievers. Um, but somehow we've, we, well, one of the problems I think I've I've seen in clients and in myself is that we feel like there must be a book. We must, there, not a book, but we must, if we don't get it, if we don't understand how to lead, it must be a problem with us as opposed to, uh, so reaching out for help is is the, is the like a failure. We're not supposed right. to be uh, reaching out for help. We, we were promoted to a position, so we should already have what it takes to do that, yeah. that position. 
And I think that's particularly true from many of the people who would benefit from a coach the most, right? Yeah. Founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, right? People who are in a position to have exponential impact based on their behaviors, actions, right? Mindsets. Uh, the, the, the more successful you've been in the past, the more you can benefit from a coach, I would argue. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I think it's one of the hardest though, is when you're that entrepreneur, you're holding together a team or you're a solopreneur trying to, um, not trying, but actually effectively marking it all. You forget that, that, that kind of shield you put up around yourself or that image of who you are, um, can become a prison that traps you. The yeah. armor that protects you can also yeah. constrict your growth and, right. uh, having a coach can help you to readjust the armor without, you know, without feeling like the, the, the guy in the wizard of Oz, don't look at the man behind the curtain. You know, you can still be the great and terrible and wonderful Oz and uh, be even greater a, at that and benefit from a coach. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, so, uh, so I love this. And, and so coming from this point of, of kind of mining for brilliance, right. Of, of extracting mm. it out and, and, and helping, you know, reveal it to the world. What would you say some of the most important work that you find yourself doing even on a daily basis with your clients? I think part of it is is unlearning what it brought them into leadership. So mm. often as an employee, individual contributor, having solutions, doing work, getting tasks done is how we measure success and get promoted. Then there's a whole different mindset that has to happen when we're leading the work. Sometimes yeah. we have to be doing, there's stuff we have to be doing but we don't have to be doing all of it because when we start doing it and we have a team, we start we become a micromanager because they're actually hired to do it. And right. it, we think we're being helpful because that's how we've been rewarded all the way through our career. But it, but we're really telling our team, we don't trust you or we yeah. you don't have what it takes. Or um, and so that's I think one of the things I do is I'm learning. The other thing is so much of our leader, I've got my master's in organizational leadership and I'm a nerd, so I love studying. So much of our leadership structures, especially in the West and especially in the United States, are based on a white male being a leader with centuries of systems that are supporting that, that structure. So it's also unlearning the toxicity that's there for, mm. for all, yeah. all genders and, and um, uh, races, but to also really have the courage to piece together your own leadership style. And that feels yeah. incredibly risky, but the yeah. the, the uh, enthusiasm and effectiveness and energy that's released as people realize, I I get to do that. Yeah, I get to do it. That I mean, I yeah. get passionate about doing things this way. And so then, what's as you know, the brilliance of coaching is that it's time release. It's not like you go to a seminar and you get fire hose for two and a half days, which is can be very beneficial, but you get to beta test things and try it out and see how does it right. fit and how do you and get to really put on your own leadership suit as opposed to just buying something off the rack. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, one of the the questions that I've, I've really been mulling over lately, uh, because in, in our work, we, we do a lot with the different stages that organizations go through. In a similar way, we do a lot with the stages that leaders go through, right? Yes. And the, the big question, you know, the big challenge that I think most leaders have is the accumulation of knowledge. What did you learn when you were first starting out and is it still serving you today? What a powerful question. Because some of it is, right? Like some of those lessons are are why you got to where you are and they're equally valid today, but a lot of them aren't, 
like you're saying, you know, if you learned how to execute well and get stuff done, how is that serving you and your team today? And I don't, without a coach, it's very, very difficult to stop and ask that question. Yeah. It's very difficult to recognize the when of the equation, right? It's it's just an issue of like, well, if that worked, then it'll work and I do more of it, it'll work more. And then you know, rinse and repeat, we do the same thing. And so uh, I love this idea that you're bringing of it like, you know, what you did then and what you do now aren't necessarily the same thing. The, well, what you're saying that yeah. it's not just stages, it's also generations. So yeah. I'm a Gen Xer. Um, I grew up in a time when the jobs were tight and the boomers were overpowering us population-wise and the millennials were coming in. Um, and so there, we get dumped on a lot as the slackers and all this other stuff. I am now seeing the Xers who are the ones that raised, you know, so it was always by the people that raised the kids that are going into the workforce that they're complaining about them. It's like, but it's your parenting that led to this, this culture. Um, so, but I'm, I'm also seeing is that most uh, the Xers are now doing that to Z's and wh whatever else is yeah. after that, the A's yeah. or alphas. Um, it's interesting to me that it's not just generations, it's, it's stage of life. Yeah. So, well, we had to do this when we were in our career, we had to put in our mm -hmm. time, we had to do our things. And it's not ever stepping back and reflecting, is that helpful? Or is there anything wrong with the way that other people are trying to do it now? Maybe if it's the same goal, there's multiple ways to get there. Um, yeah. And coaching does provide that that place to stop and pause um, and to, yeah. to have that kind of, okay, my, my employees keep pushing for this. I don't understand it at all. Well, does it affect your bottom line in a negative way? Does it impact your customer's experience? Well, no, it wouldn't. Yeah. Okay, so why not try it and see yeah. and tell them it's a beta test so that it's not like the new the new thing that's going to be yeah. forever. But yeah, yeah, we we had a, a policy, uh, if you can call it that, uh, at the company that I ran that we could try anything for 30 days. Right. Ooh, you can like try that. and you can try anything for 30 days. Right. If it if it does justice to your colleagues and to your your clients, you can try anything for 30 days. Right. It may work. It may not work. Uh, but let's try it. We don't know until we do. Uh, and I love that. Another thing that's fascinating, and I, I'd love to see you uh, expound on this, is the exact mirror opposite of what we just talked about, of taking lessons that we learned early on and applying them later. What I think I hear you saying is that we're taking lessons we learned later and applying them earlier. Does that make sense? So yeah, Gen X, you know, I'm looking at it saying, hey, this is what I need to do to succeed now. That's what you should do as well, right? Oh I, I think goodness, it's a, yeah. a fascinating thing because you ask people, what do you wish you knew now? What do you wish you, you knew then what you know now, right? And those answers to me are almost always unsatisfactory. <laughs> it, it's almost always an edited version of the lesson they're learning right now that's most applicable to the stage of life, work, career that they're in right now. And it's not wow. necessarily the most essential thing back then. What would be a good example of that that you've seen? Uh, I, I'm so, resonating with this. So folks will kind of go through this progression of, you know, you, you, in your, early in your career, you do whatever is given to you, you know, and, and you just hustle and make it happen. And then those who are successful reach a point where they get to decide they can do whatever they want to do, Right. The question that I have is, do you get to make that decision before you've done the hard work of, of earning it? That was exactly what I was thinking as the example was just, yeah, the do your passion, do just only do the things that you love. Well, no, 
life has a lot of stuff that just stinks. It's not yeah. fun to do for a lot of us. It's not fun to do the books. But if you're a solopreneur, you're going to get in a lot of trouble if you don't <laughs> do yeah. the books. And sure, you can yeah. get help with that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's leaders too. There's uh, sales. A lot of leaders don't like sales, which is our which is mind boggling to me. I I think that's there are parts of the process that aren't fun, but there's it's a quantifiable game. You can yeah. see if you're putting points yeah. on the board. Um, but you know, there's a there is so many industries right now are going through another wave of basic things like it's the customers that are the problem. They should just come to my store. I shouldn't have to commute, learn to communicate with them. They should just get how great we are and the services we have. And it's no, it's we always have to earn that. We always have to learn and and the conversations change. And so we have to have that flexibility of yeah. continuing to keep in touch with our prospects to learn yeah. how are they how are they describing what we're doing. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, that's so good. All right. So this is the moment I've been waiting for. Uh, our conversation has led up to this point and I'm so excited about it. But uh, the question I love to ask folks, uh, because we get to have these just brilliant guests like you on the show. And and one of the things that I've found is each one of them has th their secret, right? The one secret that they wish wasn't a secret, the thing that they wish everyone listening knew, but so few people know. And I, I'd love to know from you, what's that biggest secret that you wish everybody listening knew today? <laughs> Well, the one that's coming to mind right now and that I, I've 20 years of working with, with CEOs and founders and entrepreneurs is that there isn't a roadmap. Um, we are all making it up as we go along. And that's mm. that's okay. It's not, it's not a settle for. It's not a... Um, what I see a lot of people have is that they don't share their uncertainty with people. They don't share their doubt because it's not safe to all the time. Uh, but they then interpret everybody else is not sharing it as though they don't have it. Like they must be confident. Those leaders are strong and confident and forthright. Um, and so when they go into something like strategic planning, they're looking for a map quest to date myself yeah. or Google maps, like with all the turns all the way mapped out for the next three to five years. And that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, and we're coming out of a time where it was clear for the globe, like a global pandemic that shuts stuff down wasn't something that most people had game plans for. Um, and so I think knowing that you're making it up as you go along. I, I called my dad a few years back. We are we just took our oldest, our youngest to college. So we're in a different entering a different stage. But I called my dad and I said, You were just making it up as you went along, weren't you? <laughs> there was silence and then he just started busting up laughing. I thought he had a plan. I thought he knew what he was doing. I thought he had the answers. I didn't realize he was just making the best choices at the right moment. So for me, it would be knowing what your core values are and what your organization's core values are, because that allows you to pivot in the moment of, do you err on the side of your people or do you err on the side of the customer? Or mm. do you err on the side of taking a risk or do you err on the side of playing it safe? Those things aren't necessarily good or bad. Uh, we may have internal things that we think are good or bad, but knowing them explicitly, it lets you know in the moment when I'm faced with a decision, how am I going to lean? which way am I going to bob and weave? And, and you'll be doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, and that's where, so can I go one more one step? For yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the reason I think it's a, the doubt can be a surprising gift is that as we continue focusing on the externals, which is all good, the books, the tapes, the videos, the, the trainings, the conferences, the certifications, the, the, the degrees, they don't quite always fit. We can get parts of them, but none of them are a hundred percent whoa, this yeah. is it. Um, and, and it's in part so that doubt can lead us to think of, well, we're always de deficient. We're always lacking. Why am I so bad? Why can I not even get this straight? Um, if, but that doubt can also lead us to ask the question, 
what if I'm exactly the right person to lead this team? Mm. Or, or what if my organization is exactly the right voice in the sector? And then we start interpreting things differently. Like I only get 10%, I glean 10% from these things, but I'm gleaning 10%. Yeah. Oh my goodness. These little yeah. tweaks are making me so much more effective. Yeah. And you start having a, uh, your confidence grow because you realize, oh, I am getting stuff out of this. May not be doing it hook, line, and sinker, but I am better for this. And our approach is uniquely different or, or it, and we know why. It's not just because, well, we don't do those things. We don't yeah. do sales because people should just yeah. come to us. That's crazy. But we know why we do sales maybe differently, maybe more relationally than hustle culture yeah. or something. Yeah. I think that's good. I think um, there's uh, there's this uh, idea that books must be like rule books. You know, if it's in if if you know Jim Collins wrote it, then it must be. You know, or if Patrick Lind or if this you know guy with this acronym after his name wrote it, it must be true. Well, you the know? endorsements on the back of it yeah, make it sound yeah. even amazing too, because yeah, wow, it changed their life, so it must be true. And yeah. And a couple of times I've met authors and, and you look, it's like, you don't even do this. You know, <laughs> like what, what, what's happening here? And, and I think there's a couple of things that are useful in this space because I, I think it's one of the biggest problems that that curious leaders face today is there's too much advice ad available, yeah. but we don't have the right filters for how to recognize what is challenging because it's what I need to change and what's challenging because it's not right for me. Oh my goodness. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's, and that's where my coaching, I call it quadrant three, which is the fourth, third stage in the growth model of where you start piecing together the stuff is filtering. Yeah. Why is, yeah. why is this not right for me? But that's it. It's yeah. the filters yeah. to figure out, oh, management by, by walking around isn't for me because I'm an introvert and that actually yeah. drains me. So I will do yeah. other things. I want the same goal yeah. of connection with my team, but there are going to be other ways I will do it than my predecessor yeah. or, um, I'm a verbal expressive and that's not necessarily beneficial for the team because they don't know when I've come to a decision. Yeah. So maybe I should find somebody else I can verbally express yeah. with so yeah. that I can save my team all the chaos of all my ideas. Yes. Thinking that they have to execute on all of them. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think the two big filters are, are time, right? A stage of your career, stage of your life, stage of your business. I think that's the first one. Is this written for folks that are in the stage that you're in or trying to get to? And the second big one is the one that you just uh, drew out, which is, is this written for the people who are like you, right? Is this lit written for your leadership style, for your personality style? Because if it's written for a hard charging bulldog extrovert and you're a raging, you know, introvert, you can do that stuff, but you're going to end the day exhausted. Yes. And will it work? Hey, you know, your guess is as good as mine. You know, it, now yeah. if you're uh, an extrovert and that like just lights your fire and you can go and it's just like, you fit, then, then it's wonderful. And so it's why one person can read a book and it'll be brilliant for them. Next person can read a book and it can be crushing uh, is because we don't have the right filters in place. Well, and so because of that awareness with surprising gift of doubt, I was able to actually, um, I, I paid uh, or offered to pay a dozen people from different lived experiences, different backgrounds, different orientations to review the book, to see as if it were as open to as diverse uh, audiences I felt. And there were some really good uh, feedback uh, on that. Mm. Mostly it was the pop culture references that were just limiting because of <laughs> because of who I am and what I what when I grew up. But it was really good to have the the that kind of those my filter. I was aware of my filter, and so the first chapter is something on uh, on that. But to have the input of others to come around so that it could help un unhinder that from other people. Yeah. 
I don't even know if that's word, but that's, yeah. It is now. It's in the official well, canon. One of my, <laughs> great. One of my advisors <laughs> told me early on, uh, eat the chicken, spit out the bones. Yeah. With just about anything, there's some chicken in, in there. And if you're vegan, um, you come up with a better analogy. Sorry about that, about the chicken. But uh, eat the chicken, spit out the bones has been something that's been really helpful for me because um, I don't get upset that there are bones. It's just bones. Like it's not a, a failing, a more, oh no, my dinner has bones in it. <laughs> you yeah, know, yes. it's just, it's just what they, they are. So I love the non-judgmental uh, yeah. feeling of that and the freedom of, okay, that wasn't for me. I'm totally stuck on trying to make some edaname uh, allegory work for <laughs> the only time when the first time I met edamame or had it, I didn't know what it was. So I was eating out of this bowl and um, it didn't taste that good. It was kind of fuzzy and all. <laughs> And it was, yeah, it was my, the person next to me is uh, the covering of it, which she had discarded it in the bowl. It was like, oh, oh great. That's funny. That's was, funny. I learned quickly what not yes. to do. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, all right. So a final question that I have for you here, and then right. we'll talk about how folks can uh, get your book and, and find out more about what you do. Um, but what I'd like for you to do is go and take your coach hat off for a moment and okay. kind of jump into the arena with us, put your CEO hat on and talk to us a little bit more about how you're growing your business uh, and yourself as a leader. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, this is I it's an interesting time that you're asking me because I feel like my my business is a, a Hogwarts staircase that just turned to a new balcony and is anchored there. Um, so and this is total stage of life. But after 20 years of coaching, um, and speaking around the world and writing books, I'll keep doing that. But the coach certification that I've got going is, um, it is, as you know, so rewarding to be able to pour yourself into other people that are making a difference in the world. Yeah. There's the one-on-one -on -one coaching that is, I still love, but having the, uh, leadership coach cer certification where people are coming either at the, um, leading a career leading and they just don't know that how to do coaching skills like the coaching skills and the questions that are needed instead of just giving answers is a uh, because most of us don't have the same leadership development that may have existed in a prior time um so the internal people but also the external people that are trying to either add coaching as a revenue stream to their consulting or to become coaches um it, it's so exciting to see people yeah. just take off and to see consultants that were like oh, i want to be better with my team um, then realize, wait, I could also get paid to do this myself. So I think, uh, where I am seeing my business go is a new way of pouring into other people. Um, and I can see it in stages in a way that I haven't been able to see it most of the time. It's just kind of just try to get the next thing done. But yeah. right now I feel like I can see the next decade of growth ahead of me. And it's, it's pretty exciting. That's fantastic. Excellent. So give us in uh, 30, 60 seconds, uh, the elevator pitch for your book. Uh, I'd love for people to know a little bit about that and then tell us where we can find it. Okay. Surprising gift of doubt. I firmly believe that uh, while most of our society is gearing us to ask the question of what's what's missing in us, the doubt can build up and build it, push us into the why are, why are we the right person for this position? Why might mm. we be the perfect person? So your doubt can mean you're on the verge of greatness. It's available wherever good books are sold. Um, even fine books are sold. <laughs> and uh, it, Amazon being the, the big grill in the marketplace, but I would recommend going to an independent bookseller if you can find that or your library. Um, I'm trying to make it really accessible there too. That's uh, great. And the Audible is out as well. Uh, my youngest got to do the about the author part. So we have 
voice talent from two Pittmans in the family. That's excellent. <laughs> That's excellent. Your doubt means you're on the verge of, would you say verge of excellence or verge of breakthrough? Verge of greatness. Verge of greatness. Uh, I love that. Your doubt is an indication you're on the urge, the verge of greatness. Well, Mark, thank you so much uh, for being here. I, I deeply appreciate you spending your time with us. Uh, I know it was massively informative and inspirational for me. And I think it was for our audience as well. So thank you so much. Thanks for inviting and, me. This has been great. Yeah. Awesome. And for everyone who is listening, your time and attention mean the absolute world to us. It's the biggest honor you could give. So thank you so much for being here with us, for uh, lending your ear or, or watching with us online. We're so glad you're here and we can't wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any of those episodes, go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.